of Yahweh yet again grace me, bless me to come to your treasury today on the day that we gather in your house to worship the fellowship to hear the teaching of your word Father God on this day before what we celebrate is Valentine's Day. Father God, thank you for being a loving Father. By loving God and loving me so much that Jesus Christ, your only begotten Son, came to save me, Father God. He came to save me. And he stepped off the throne to come and do so came to this place, Father. Thank you. And for anyone else who would hear and believe to say, I will, I do, let's go. Abba Yahweh Aman. Yeshua Paraklitos Aman. Pardon me, what a start. Brothers and sisters, I just found something that, <laughs> passing through, I love the way the Holy Spirit does this. I'll be passing through on my way to what I was going to share from initially, and he stops me in the book of Hosea. And... There's two things that I have here. Actually, he just drew my eye over to another. I, I highlight things here, and he uses my highlighters to throw back at me. <laughs> but what I was talking about, the perverse individuals on the stage, and again, if you happen to be listening for the first time and haven't heard me make mention of this before, that the Word of God is twisted and manipulated and changed and altered because there are individuals that want to make it their goal to get attention, but see, they don't realize that they're being used by Satan. And the good word of God being changed, twisted, and manipulated, and individuals want to say that the Bible needs to be rewritten to be more relevant and that there's passages that are being taught wrong. Well, wait a second. First of all, let's get something perfectly straight. You didn't write the Bible. God is the author and the finisher, and he had individuals that penned the Bible, but the author is Lord God Almighty, Sovereign Abba Yahweh, maker of all things made, and by whose authority do you stand <clears throat> on your platform, behind your dice, in your auditorium, and preach to a congregation of people saying that the Bible is wrong and is being taught wrong, <clears throat> and that it's not relevant to this day and age. You better go to the book of Revelation and read that last chapter in that book. A jot or a tittle. And for those learned theologians that dare to stand on that platform, you better look that up too. And I'll share it with you anyway, since you are probably practicing your Phariseeism and you're too high and mighty and self-centered to take the opportunity or time to educate. A jot and a tittle. Those are marks that are used in Hebrew calligraphic writing. And you have transcribers. And by changing the direction of that flow, it changes the word completely. And there are actually transcribers and translators and writers that have destroyed entire copies because they realized that the jot and tittle had been reversed. What is that saying? Don't rewrite because you're wrong God is the author, and you have no authority. 
No rewriting. The only rewriting might be a translation for better understanding, but you don't rewrite and change the, the word of God. And how... <sighs> I keep coming back to this individual because he showed me others. <laughs> how is it that one would declare the very reason that God came in the form of the word, Jesus Christ, who was with God from the beginning. See, here's the mystery of God, the intertwining of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and yet can be separated and be different. Kind of like an egg. You have a shell, you have a white, and you have a yolk. So how do you change the fact teaching that God condemned everybody because they didn't believe that Jesus Christ was his only begotten son. Well, that's not at all what the word says. If you choose to not believe, then you have condemned yourself. It's just like career criminals. They choose to break the law and do what they're going to do, and they know they're going back to jail. And then you have some that try to put the onus on other people not going to send me back there. I'm not going back there. And look what you've done to me. Wait a minute. They point the finger at somebody else because of their lack of responsibility. So your lack of responsibility to preach the truth straight from the word of God, his knowledge and his wisdom, and you fell prey, as many do, to the white noise of Satan. In Hosea, some and for those of you that are not familiar, Hosea is what what they call. And see, this is theological labeling that that some I don't know how they think that this is a prophet of God is a prophet of God. How is one a greater prophet? One's a lesser prophet. They have different anointings. God anoints one differently than anointing somebody else. The gifts are the same, but the anointing might be different. But this is a prophet of God. I, 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 have, <laughs> I have issues with that that I have to pray about, but how do you label somebody a greater prophet or a lesser prophet when they're bringing the word of God, period? If they're bringing truth, knowledge, and wisdom that comes from God and his righteousness, how is one greater or lesser? <clears throat> one might be more eloquent. One might be... You know, some of these men that share that I, and the lessons and the teachings, I adore them because they tend to be more eloquent, but they speak from the truth. They speak from the word of God. They come back to that and they use scripture all the time. They come straight, they bring the scripture out and they don't change the scripture to fit their program their program follows what the scripture's teaching and the word that they're sharing comes from the word. <clears throat> and I've tried their spirit. And these men speak truth. But in Hosea 9, verse 8, this might be kind of twisted and and not able to understand this, but my sidebar that I wrote over here for me, the watchman of Ephraim was with my God, but the prophet is a snare of a fowler. All his ways in hatred in the house of his God. So explanation prophets, some people have a misconception of these individuals. Because what Mammon has done is changed the wording and the meaning. And prophets were seers into the future. Omens, as you will. Speaking what's out there because they saw the future. Now, granted, some of prophets of God could do that thing. And some now can do that thing. But a prophet was a uh, speaker of the word of God. When the Lord sent them, a, pre, a prophet is um, what we would call now a pastor or a preacher. 
or a teacher. But what he's speaking here is the watchman of Ephraim was with my God. But the prophet is a snare of a fowler in all his ways and hatred in the house of God. So what he's talking about is that the individual is teaching falsely, false teacher. And, oh, here's a sidebar that's actually printed in my, my uh, this is my, what they call a teacher's Bible, because back in when this book was printed and was gifted to my father, my earthly father, uh, this was his Bible. And it says, unfaithful ministers, like that pervert that stands on the stage that I had the misfortune of hearing and listen to what only, pardon me, listen to part what he was saying. And unfortunately drew me in and I was listening, but not to in belief, but in disbelief that this person would go through the learning and training that he did and then just turn. This is this is like um this is like a hound that would turn on its person. But it, it's it's well it's not even the same because this person was gifted originally, and I'm not sure what got him there, and I I have a hard time in in dealing with it, and I still can't judge this man. I I have issue with what he's teaching, but he is a person still deserves, because the word of God says that we pray for those individuals, and I must, being a follower of the word of God, a disciple of Jesus Christ, a faithful believer in God, Abba Yahweh, my heavenly Father, maker of all things made, I must pray for him. <clears throat> he can repent, and that is possible. But there are many of these perverse individuals, and and again, let me touch on this word, perversion has nothing to do with sexual activity. Perversion is twisting, maligning, and altering the original state of something. And making it something that it was not intended for. And you have, well, I feel like I need to touch on this briefly That and, and the Spirit's saying that it's okay. You have the individual's children were not intended for what you have these individuals doing to our children. And as egregious as some of these things are, as these individuals are, we still must pray they can repent. Repentance means that they have seen the error in their ways and they have asked God to forgive them and strengthen them to keep them away from this. But those individuals are perverse in a sexual way, a despicable way. And yet you can step out to the next ring and there are individuals that are using children for major labor that is intended for an adult because it's too great. They're not strong enough. They haven't developed that and they're, and they're being forced into it and not paid an adult wage and earning and they're being forced to work longer hours <coughs> because the individuals are using them. So these, the, it's they're being twisted and used for something that was not intended for them to do. But no one understand this too, and I and I learned this lesson, relearned the lesson again. Um, because I I fell prey to the white noise. <clears throat> and I may have shared this briefly. I, I can't recall, actually. 
I know that I posted some things about it, but I have two dogs in my house. My honey, Bela, she's my little princess. And, and we went through so much. She was rescued from a shelter. And then there's Oreo Nabisco. <laughs> and um, also rescued. But have been with me so long that when I brought Oreo home, his face was all black. And he's, he's paying strict attention to me right now. But when I look at him now, his, his beard and his face is graying as mine is. And the question begs to be asked, who rescued who? See, my PTSD issues and, and things going on, and these are my emotional support dogs. And uh, you're going, where are you going with this? This is kind of weird. Well, no, actually it's not, because God gifted us together. <clears throat> he gifted me to them to rescue them, and he gifted them to me because occasionally God knows this, because God knows everything. God is omniscient. He knows everything. And he's not, as we would call some people here, oh, a know-it-all. Uh, you know, because those individuals in the mammalian world are braggarts and arrogant. Phariseeism is rampant in their house and whatever they do. They're not willing to really teach. They just want to dump information on you. But God does know everything. He is aware of all things. He is aware that they needed me and he was aware that my heart and I needed them. And God will occasionally put tangible things in our lives. <clears throat> but what we have to do is we have to take a caution. We have to make sure that we stay focused and not allow these things to become an idol which can happen, and sometimes not intentionally, but when you pour out too much on them and then you just, um, your, your focus is distracted from where it should be. So at any rate, um, my little princess, Honey Bela, beautiful honey, that's what that means. Um, of course, they're, they're, we're getting older, They've been with me for eight years. And um, she was just, I mean, I i have little steps in the house to help her get up. So she wants to get up. They, they both love to sleep with me, and I have no problem with that. Some people say, oh, my God. Well, I have no problem with that. Um, and for her to get up when we get ready to go out for a walk. But I noticed that things were not easy for her. And so I have to help her more. Um, when I come home from work, they would sound the alarm and really she would just be in there hollering because get in here, get in here, get in here, pay attention to us, pay attention to us, pay attention to us. And then that diminished and then went to zero, nothing. And, and her activity was just different. And I was very fearful because she was just so lethargic. And it hurt my heart. Well, then here's where the, the white noise comes in and, and the prey that, that I am for the minions of Satan by his direction. My heart was breaking. Absolutely breaking. But then the Holy Spirit turned and spoke to me and reminded me that nothing is done until God says it's done for they that walk in the light and in the shadow of his wings. And that until he says that this is done, it's not done. He gifted her to me and gifted me to them. And they are my emotional support dogs. And God realized that, that we do have this need for a tangible and this is why I cautioned you before, is that he, he gifts these things to individuals, and he does. <clears throat> but we have to take care of them. And we have to be responsible. 
And so the thought process, and remember this, that it doesn't matter what your intellectual prowess is, the weakest point of attack is your mind. And Jesus reminds us that we have to love our Lord God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. Paul tells us that we have to be like-minded and reminds us of this constantly in his writings. And that we have to study to sow ourselves approve and be of the mindset of the word of God. So I felt prey to this and, you know, then the spirit reminded me and I prayed, prayed over it to not allow that to happen and, and that uh, the time comes. But here's the thing that I was also reminded <clears throat> that there is a passage in the Bible. I need to look that up where it's at. But we're reminded that all things are made new. Just like God said that he loved, so loved the world. Not that I so love the blacks, not that I so love the whites, or I so love the natives, uh, so love this folks and that folks and these folks. Didn't do that. He said, for God so loved the world. The world, period. Every, all. And the word says, and all things. So there are some folks that might have a different perspective, I don't care. That's your matter of perspective. And that's your opinion. But my perspective is that when God says all things will be made new, that means that these special creations that he put here intended for what is going on with these two and that they too will also be made new. And the Bible describes animals in heaven. So, for the sake of those that would like to argue that, get in the Bible, read the Word, don't get into confrontation, don't be confrontational with individuals. They're entitled to an opinion, and don't sit there and tell them that they're wrong for believing what the Bible tells them and what shows them. Brothers and sisters, don't be confrontational with folks, just get in the Word. And the other thing that I have from the book of Hosea in chapter 10, I have a couple verses that I'm going to share with you, which comes back to some things that I have shared before, and I will try to interweave these things the best that I can. Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is come it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Ye have plowed wickedness, ye have reaped iniquity, ye have eaten the fruit of lies because thou didst trust in thy way in the multitude of thy mighty men. Because thou didst trust in thy way in the multitude of thy mighty men. So, what Hosea is saying here, and, and for those of you that may or may not know, those that you may not know, is that fallow ground that sometimes, and I'm not sure, well, yeah, I do too, because uh, a field has been overplanted and the nutrients have been drawn out of that soil in that area. So what uh, farmers will do is they will leave the ground fallow. And what that means is it's been tilled, but not seeded. Nothing's been planted there because they want the nourishment to come back into the ground. And um, this is why you have, uh, I'm not even sure that they do it anymore. They just do some weird stuff. Farmers are being paid not to grow on, on land. And this is, uh, let's not get onto that. Um, but you have uh, crop rotation. You have some crops that draw different and um, need sustenance more than other crops. And, and what they do is they'll plant and, on soil. And, and <clears throat> it's kind of like a feeder reactors. So you have one crop that'll draw a certain nutrient in there and they move the crops around and rotate them. So the next time it, 
it's time to plant that crop in that area, they can do so. But fallow ground is, is plowed and furled, but no seeds ever planted. And what Hosea is talking about is that we need to get and do that. We need to sow ourselves in righteousness and draw in and reap, which means harvest, mercy, compassion, kindness, those things that we can provide to other individuals because that's what farmers did when they grew their crops. They were providing for their families in earlier days, a small farmer, but then there were farmers that were harvesting to provide for their township and and put in storage and they were they were able to make money and income for their family provide for their family in that way as well so we need to reap in mercy and we need to break up the fallow ground and what happens to fallow ground when it's not planted it it's not tended for one two three four seasons it becomes sun-baked, it becomes hard, it becomes cracked. There's no, uh, there's no water being used on it for irrigation because it's not being seeded in order to grow a crop. So we need to break up what we have become. Hard, baked, not willing to grow a good crop. And this comes back to Jesus talking about he is the vine, we are the branches. Not going to grow on fallow ground. Untended. So we need to seek the word and the truth. We need to be able to take from what we've been allowed to become do not let white noise interfere. The white noise that the devil is pouring on me, and, and that's what it feels like right now. But um, at the same time, I have to thank God for being with me in the midst of this thing here and showing me that he is. And that the enemy's assaults are because what God is doing is making the enemy quite nervous. And that blesses me. <laughs> yeah, go for it, Satan. Throw it at me, because you know what? Emmanuel is here. God with me. God in me. I want to be abiding in the Lord. I want a relationship with God. I love God. He loves me. The gifts that he gave me in Honey Beta, Oreo Nabisco, they're, they're living beings, they're here. I nurture them by feeding with them, I take care of them, we do things together, and they love me. And as I shared sometimes, as men and women, we need a tangible object, or we don't really need a tangible object, but God understands that that are wanting to have something like that. And the relationship that he provided for men and women to be married that some people blow. Um, I've shared with you that I was not walking with God as I should have been and, and allowed that to take place in my life. But what is really so great and beautiful is that this woman's heart of forgiveness is so great and so awesome. And she's forgiving of that and understands that well, I'm not sure she totally understands, but it doesn't matter. But that she is forgiving and allowed that forgiveness to well out. And that's a good thing because it allows us to speak to each other and, and uh, have conversations. So, but back to the book of Hosea, this is what happens when you put your trust in the mighty men. So trusting in self rather than in God and the word that these individuals, as Hosea was speaking about, 
that the focus was on their self and the mighty men, those those that they declared as being heroes, doesn't necessarily make them truthful and honest and good individuals, but that the mighty men and powerful and that they could do this and they could do that. Um, but you don't put your trust in that and that's what they have, they have done. They have put the trust and our trust and focus must be in the Lord. Verse 13, ye have plowed wickedness, ye have reaped iniquity, ye have eaten the fruits of lies because thou didst trust in thy way in the multitude of thy mighty men. So in the armies of these strong guys thinking that they could do all and do anything, that's where the trust goes. And walking in their own, just like the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin. They were the ones who were blaspheming God and they were the ones who were outside their authority, but yet they blamed Jesus Christ for that. You know, and I run into that stuff on a daily basis. You know, somehow I am at fault for the rules and things that I have to follow and because... I don't allow that to take place in the mixed company that I have with me all the time. And somehow it becomes my fault and then the curses come down on my head. I'm just following rules and directives and protocols that are established. So the protocols that Jesus Christ are to follow is to be about my father's business, which he told his mother... Mary and Father Joseph when he disappeared and they couldn't find him and he was teaching in the synagogue. Where'd you go? What were you doing? The kid was missing for three days for crying out loud. At 10 years old, he was teaching in the synagogue by the authority of the word of God and they were astonished that this child was able to do this thing. And when questioned as to where he was and why he was gone, he said, I had to be about my father's business. They didn't understand that, but he just told them. And then, of course, the understanding came when they were in the realized that they were in the shadow of the temple or the synagogue, and then he was in with the word of God. So, brothers and sisters, I share with you yet again, I am about my father's business. And he allows parameters that I have because... He knows that I I share truth and I will speak the truth, but his truth and not mine. Mine because I get it from God and I claim that certain scriptures in the Bible, as I've told you, God doesn't mind if we do this. So don't make, don't get your knickers in a twist about making scriptures personal and about when I share that God so loved me that he sent his only begotten son to come and save me, to rescue me, to redeem me, to forgive me, to cleanse me. And whosoever would hear and believe. God doesn't mind me making it personal. He wants a personal relationship with us. That is a desire of God's that he has toward us. He created us. He gave us a choice. And his desire in that is that we choose to walk with him, abide with him in a relationship, a personal relationship with God. And when the Bible tells us that, I've got no problem with making certain scriptures personable by saying, for God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son for me and whosoever will hear and believe. He doesn't mind that. I haven't rewritten the Bible. I just in my heart, my mind's eye, I read and believe the scripture differently than it is in print. And he doesn't mind that because I'm not altering that and taking it away from, but I'm adding and enhancing for me personally. He doesn't mind that. If he did, he wouldn't allow me to share it with you and trust me in this. I've had this thing and I've shared this with you, I believe, 
that if God doesn't like where the direction of that word is going or it becoming too much of my platform, then there are issues. And then I have to re-speak, rewrite, redo. I don't mind that. God's teaching me. I am a disciple. I want the disciplined nature of the word of God. I desire that. And it tells us that we have to desire that much more than we desire those things on the face of this earth. This is why we have to be careful. When God provides a tangible thing for us, like my two dogs, my... Not that it's taking away from the power and authority that God has, because he's shown that to me over and over and over again. But he gifted these to me. It's much like you have... Okay, let's go back to the man and wife thing. Why do they gift each other with stuff on Valentine's Day or other special times? Or sometimes just out of the clear blue sky, you will have a spouse share with her husband something special or something that he's had his eye on, fishing, hunting, boating, whatever it is, or a new tool for the garage, for the car, for woodworking that he doesn't ever seem to do. Okay, let's not go there. So, um... Then you have the spouse that provides his wife another pair of shoes that she doesn't need. Let's not go there. Um, You know, but this new tool so that he can build the new closet for all those shoes that he gets for her that she loves, 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 loves. And once every change of the season, she'll change her shoes. Let's not go there. Um, Too late. We already did. But for these things, why is that? Because they want to show something special um, in a different way than is normally done. And God provided these two for me. Not that he is, not that I'm diminishing in any way, shape or form. God's providing and his provision. He is Rafa. He is the, the great healer. But you have to understand in the mystery, in the mystery of God, that there are things that are allowed and things that are done, but they all work together for good to them who love the Lord and follow his knowledge and his wisdom. I'm not diminishing anything from God at all, but he provided these two creatures that he created. I mean, he, he created these things. And he put an ingredient in them that other humans tend to throw away or disregard, and they don't share. The unconditional love that these two pour out. Wow. But here's the other thing, too. In our relationship, I know that it comes from God, and I know that he gifted them to me, and the Holy Spirit reminded me not to fall into that white noise that the enemy was talking about losing her. Yeah, but here's the other thing too. We are not promised tomorrow. And for everything there is a season. And that old song, can't remember, did the Yardbirds do that? I can't remember who. For everything there is a season. Turn, turn, turn. And that's true. And the song talks about it, but here's the thing. Some songwriter didn't just write that. It's nearly verbatim from the scriptures. There is a season for everything. There is a time for, for being born, a time to die, a time for planting, a time for reap, harvesting or, or reaping the crop. There is a season for everything, and we are not promised tomorrow. So remembering that and talking to God about honey. And what's really great, when I came home from work today, she was just like she was. And I had, I had prayed over her that if it come that time and God decides to take her, that I would be in his shadow and that it would be okay knowing that she was from him anyway. And the Spirit of God honored my prayer and my heart and the direction 
she was a spry and spunky nut. Well, nut climbing, and she's still, we're getting older. Um, but when I came home, I could hear her hollering at me, hurry up, get in here. I want to pour out this love that I have for you, that I learned from for you. Get in here, hurry, hurry, hurry. <laughs> in the form of dog yapping. But here's the other thing, too, that, that I will share with you that why her bond and mine is different and a, and a little bit special and, and uh, Oreo and I, we, it's just different. He's a guy, he's my guard dog and he's my security and she tries to assist him and all this. But for the first three months of our relationship, Honey Bela would, she had issues. She was really, really abused and I learned through her instructing me on what had taken place, I can only picture in my mind's eye what had taken place, but this little girl was so frightened of so many things, and in particular, men. So whatever had taken place, I I don't know, but I know that many things scare her, but she learned that I would love and protect her as intended. God wants us to know learn and realize and focus that he will love and protect us. And the Bible tells us that he will do so. He will be our pillar of cloud by day to lead and guide and a pillar of fire at night to comfort, warm, and watch over us. The word of God, throughout the word of God, remind us that he will do so. Joshua 1, nine, Isaiah forty. forget the verses. I'm an old guy. Give me a break. So Joshua 1, 9, he reminds us, he reminding Joshua and reminding the people to be not afraid. God reminds us that he goes with us wherever we go. And in the book of Deuteronomy was the first pronunciation of this and in, in speaking that the nation of Israel would realize that he was not going to leave them nor forsake them. And yet, continually, we see that all they seem to do, not all of them, but, but many of the nation of Israel, all they tended to do was complain and gripe and shake their fists and blame God, which is what we tend to want to do with so many things that go on. We want to blame God, like that pervert up there on the stage wants to blame God for people going to hell. Well, God doesn't condemn people to hell, first of all. You get sent there but you're not condemned by God to go there. The condemnation comes from self. You're choosing to do the wicked things. You're choosing to put your faith in their mighty men, in self and mammon rather than in God. Choosing to condemn yourself rather than to believe, focus on God, seek his face, seek the truth, Seek his word, just like I was sharing. Those condemn, those career criminals, they have a term for them or call them. They choose to take that path rather than the, the path of doing the right thing. They choose to do what they think is the easy path. And the easy path is not to go out and work and, and take care of the family. The easy thing for them to do is to beat up Rob Steele hijack, carjack, whatever you want to call it. For them, that's the easy way. So, what my mother used to say, and you, you reap what you sow. So if you sow iniquity and falseness and misgivings and that, you're going to reap some pretty serious issues. <clears throat> And in all these things, and this is what, what the Holy Spirit was reminding me of too, is the peace that Jesus Christ had, had promised us as his disciples and following and seeking his face and seeking the truth, provide that peace. And John writes about it when Jesus comes and Jesus um, shared with the disciples Peace be with you. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. 
He also reminds them that he's sending us out as sheep unto slaughter because there are the ravening wolves out here that have nothing better in life to do except the work of the devil. And they martyr those that have faith and belief. Brothers and sisters, it's, it's a real thing. And John reminds us in 1427 also, it says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The peace is not as we see it from the world because the world's peace that they offer is false. You see this with countries that do this thing all the time. They have peace treaties, but those treaties are broken. There is a place, <laughs> and it kind of saddens me in a way, and then not. Um, there are young people that I've run into that have never heard of Vietnam. They don't know anything about that. And yet there are things about that place that grown-ups don't even know or realize because why because the true individuals that are not wearing the football jerseys and run around declaring themselves as heroes have gone to places like vietnam all gave some and some gave all and those individuals were blessed by the greatest gift and they don't even realize but they didn't even know about this place. There were treaties being broken all the time there. In the Paris Peace Accords, <laughs> documentation that were superficial, but for the men and women that were in places that individuals trying to shoot and kill them or blow them up, they didn't care what was being done over there in the Paris Peace Accords. They only cared that they were in the midst of the fray. Treaties were broken constantly. In World War II, treaties were broken constantly. Sometimes we just don't hear about it. So that peace is not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about his peace, declaring his peace. And the Bible tells us the peace that passeth all understanding. Don't try to comprehend the love of God, the mystery of God, the depth of everything that God provides and gives and through Jesus Christ who came for us. Don't try to analyze and overanalyze and figure out the mysteries of God. This is where the problem comes in, is that mammon decides that their intelligence is higher than anyone else's or the next guy, and they can figure it out. No, you can't. And you can see that in the Word of God in Philippians 4, 7. I'll share it with you. This is a very different, the way it reads, King James. And the peace of God, which transcends, it goes above all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in and through Christ Jesus. Because the mind is the weakest link of any of us and even including those that think that their intellectual prowess is much greater than anyone else and that they can figure everything out and nothing can get into their mind because they know and they can outwit. What are you going to outwit? You're going to outwit a being that used to be an archangel? Ah, yes, maybe there are some out there that don't realize this. Satan, one time called Lucifer, was an archangel. Indeed, but no longer. Take heart in this, brothers and sisters, that Satan is not omniscient, he's not omnipotent, and he's not omnipresent. Doesn't have that capability anymore. 
He doesn't have the capability of understanding when you pray to God in the spirit, which means that you speak in tongues, you speak a heavenly language that is unintelligible to Satan. He cannot, and he's got minions that are interfering and trying to pick up this um, thing here, but it's like the code talkers from World War II can't get it because they can't understand it. Why? Because it's a direct link and it's heavenly language. And they don't understand it. They're aware that it's there, but they don't understand it. Satan's heavenly attributes are gone, null, nil. Why? Because of righteousness. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. He is still aware that the Bible is real. He's aware that God is there and he's aware that the Bible, trust me in this too, that those that work for him, that at one time were, they're aware of the Bible. They know scripture. So they know it and they can twist it. They can malign it and they can just like they do. One of the minions there, they got him up on the stage saying that John three sixteen is being taught wrong. This passage in the Bible is being taught wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. That's wrong. The Bible proves that Jesus Christ is a liar. One verse, one scripture, and then they twist it for their intent. And yet Jesus Christ declared that no one knows but the Father. Brothers and sisters, do not put your strength in men. And we need to be aware that Jesus Christ, God the Father, is with us all the time and that things that he gifts to us will be tried to manipulate and being changed and twisted. But John 10, 27 that in John 10, 27, Christ is making a declaration of my sheep. They hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Which means that he is with us always. He loves us. That doesn't diminish. That doesn't change. No matter what. Be blessed. You are in my prayers. Am I going out? Am I coming in? Have a good day.